0: A podcast by Vision Point Marketing. Well, thank you once again for joining us at Vision Point Marketing as we present Rock and Roll, our higher education marketing podcast. Uh, With me today, we have Christian Jessup, who is the marketing manager for Vision Point, uh, kind of markets our marketing, which is uh, kind of a wonderful thing. And Anna Chandler, who is our director of SEO and analytics here at Vision Point. Um, Well, Christian, Anna, glad you could join us today.
1: Yeah, excited to be here.
0: yeah, let's dive right in. I was at a friend's birthday party yesterday, and I was talking to this woman who is an acquaintance of both of ours. And she, uh, for like five years, was a social media manager for a large land-grant institution on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, I was saying, like, how are things going? And she's like, it is so much better now that I'm not a social media manager. And it just, when Threads was released, I know we saw all those memes of people, you know, uh, hilarious memes about social media managers just kind of freaking out. But um, I feel like this was like yet another thing that makes what is probably one of the hardest jobs on campus um, that much harder uh, to do, like yet another channel. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I'm just kind of curious, Christian as well. you know where what are we what are we thinking is the the fallout so far from the thread saga?
1: I will say, I think that meta moved really fast to get threads pushed out when it did to take advantage of the open space in the ecosystem, right? Because obviously since Twitter started to fall apart, there's been a lot of competitors in the space already, right? There's like Blue Sky, there's Mastodon, but all of them have the issue of you need enough people there for it to be worthwhile to have people bother to move there, right? Whole chicken and egg scenario, Meta has a huge advantage of already owning just so much of the global space so many people already have an Instagram account or are at least familiar with uh, Meta from you know Facebook or WhatsApp so why not? It's, it's right there, right? So you have so many people who just click on it. They're not necessarily going to post, but they now have an account. So you have millions of people sign up, right? That was like the fastest growing app in human history. Now you have enough of a user base for it to be worthwhile for more people to join in and join in. So I think Meta had that huge advantage of already having a captive market space, i think the question now is what will they bother to do with it because having gained all that awareness and attention um they haven't really added a whole lot of new features since then to really maximize the the use of threads, whether from an organic social media posting perspective or from a paid media perspective, right? There's no advertising on that yet. In fact, um, threads activity is still coming in as Instagram into GA4. So you can't even distinguish your efforts on the two places yet.
2: Yeah, I think that speed to market on it is like really important because On the one hand, it really benefited them that they saw this gap and they just rushed to fill the Twitter gap as quickly as they could. But on the other hand, we really seem to have what feels like a beta or unfinished app. I remember I was surprised. I immediately signed up for um, both a personal account and a VisionPoint account and started threading, posting, I don't know what we want to call it. And I was using hashtags and then I looked at my post and was like, wait, hashtags aren't a thing on threads. You can't click them. You can't use them. Um, You know, there's not a followers page. So when you open it, you're just seeing like the AI created feed of what threads thinks you want to see. Sometimes that includes your followers. Sometimes that doesn't. Um, So it's interesting to see this app that largely feels unfinished because there's just basic features that even meta has on Facebook and Instagram that haven't been implemented on threads yet. Um, But to your point, it's a huge advantage, 100 million um, people joined within the first week. And so already having that brand familiarity, Instagram being able to say, hey, why don't you join? There's already all these people. All your friends are already over on threads. That was a big advantage for them. And if they're able to make it in the long run, I think that that'll really be the foundation of why.
1: And I wonder, too, if that lack of a following page helps with that discoverability right now, because if you're a smaller influencer, right, and you move over to threads, it's easy for you to just show up now in a whole bunch of people's spaces, get a bunch of new followers Ooh, this seems really promising. I'm going to keep posting on here.
0: I feel like in some ways threads is either an experiment and they're going to do something that no one's ever done before in terms of doing a big launch and then just getting quiet and then building up, building up uh, capabilities and then just go crazy with it. Um, or we're gonna read the uh, Wall Street Journal article in a few or the Wired article in like six months about how this was all just like a massive troll between Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Elon Musk, like in ahead of their steel cage match of like, oh, look at that boom, I just did that. Um, and then that was always the intent. I feel like, given the history of the last uh, fifteen years that that is, um, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. But I think to the point that I think uh, that I hear here is that, um, you know, such a meteoric rise uh, to fame. Like you said, the the fastest growing app in human history, which is a funny sentence, right? Because like twenty years ago, apps were like what you got at Applebee's uh, before dinner. You know, it was like, can we spring for the boneless wings? We can. Like, here's my app. So like the fastest growing apps in history, I guess would have been like the blooming uh, blooming onion at uh, Outback <laughs> or something like that. Now we're talking about these like actual. Actual applications, it's funny how much that has uh, dominated our lives. But but seriously, I do wonder to what extent, um, is there a plan B for threads? Because I feel like if there isn't, or is there a stage two? Is there another shoe to drop? And and I think that's the unanswerable question, because I think as we're saying right now, there just isn't the compelling feature set to really make this the, the hot new uh, social media application. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't think threads is yet the place that you have to be right. right. Like if, if you are a college and you don't bother to update your Facebook page or stay present, you are going to have people posting questions and you're not responding. And there's going to be a clear, clear gap to people, right? threads isn't there yet. Um, I don't obviously know if it'll ever be, um, but I will say I do really, really strongly suspect that Meta will be adding more to Threads as it goes. Right, um, it's such a clear opportunity of them to offer a new advertising space in a way that they don't really have right now because you know it's pure character count, right? Pure newsfeed, um, and Facebook doesn't really do that. Instagram obviously doesn't do that. So it would be a way for them to offer new touch points right? Between clients and consumers. So why why not offer that? Um, I think though, the thing to keep in mind is like, from our perspective as a user, we see threads launch and then nothing happens and you're, you're like, Oh, is it going to die? Is it the next Google plus? Right. But yeah, plus, right. Meta is such a behemoth of a company. Everything that they do has to go through so many processes, so much legal red tape and everything. I mean, Thankfully, there's a lot of Ligora tape on what it gets up to nowadays. Um, and so what looks slow to us is probably actually fast-paced behind the scenes, right? We just don't get any of those details. And I think we're we're especially noticing that because we keep seeing all of these news stories come out of XNA Twitter, where Elon Musk decides to do something and doesn't care about any consequence legal, financial, brand value, ethical. He just decides to do something and it's immediately done. And we're like, oh, that's so fast. Why can't Meta move that fast? Well, Meta is like being a grown up responsible company.
0: I mean, one of the other things I will say about Threads is, first of all, I feel like it's culture so far, um, like every app has a culture and it's culture so far does feel more fun, feels more human. Um, you know, whereas, uh, Twitter feels like a custody battle, uh, for, for a kid, you're not even sure you want, but, uh, the, um, but, but the, but the, the sides on threads right now. Um, you know, it just, it has that sort of fun feel. I remember when it first burst out earlier in the summer, everyone was saying things like, oh, yeah, this, this feels like what social media was supposed to be. This feels like what social media was. So it'll be interesting to see if they can become that you have to be here kind of platform um, that it would take for it to really um, be that Twitter replacement that everyone's talking about while still managing to keep it, um, yeah, just enjoyable again. Uh, And so I'm curious to see where their strategy evolves uh, with it. But I do also want to say that as that strategy evolves, it's almost as if those initial memes were off base, that uh, this isn't something that you have to slam into and and jump on right away. Thankfully, I think we have a little bit of time to Uh, utilize it, experiment with it, just kind of see where it goes. And then as functionality improves, if it does, uh, if uh, that second stage is out there, um, you know, folks will have an opportunity to master this thing before it's just suddenly thrust upon them. So that's, to me, this could be like a best case scenario.
1: For what it's worth, I do think it's fun. I have zero followers, but I still enjoy posting on threads
2: same it is it's so strange i remember whenever i like saw it had released and whatever and mark zuckerberg had posted on there like the vision for threads is this open friendly joyful environment and i was like okay that's what everyone says when they launch their social media but it's strangely so far like the vibes in the first month really have been this like fun friendly non-threatening place as opposed to like you said twitter i can't scroll through my feed without seeing people arguing about Anything and everything, and threads. I mean, maybe the algorithm just hasn't brought me to the argument side of it yet, but it really has been a much more easygoing, friendly place for interactions between people, between brands like, just lots of positive interactions. And that has been an unusual thing that I didn't expect to see sustained through the first week, let alone the first month. So Like you said, Dana, I'm curious as it grows, as it evolves, will it be able to keep that and distinguish itself maybe through that rather than distinguishing itself even through functionality?
1: Yeah, the lack of discoverability is annoying, but I do think the algorithm is honestly pretty good. I mean, I got on Threads, and within like an hour or two that first night, it figured out like, oh, you want to see all of this book content, right? My library hold list like tripled in the first day of Threads launch. So it knows what it's doing a little bit.
2: It's similar to TikTok in that respect, I think. I was so frustrated when I first downloaded TikTok because I was like, none of these videos apply to me, and I kept scrolling, and I was like, no, I don't like this. And then as I gave it time on the platform, I started to see more videos that I liked that might apply to me. And then that led me to more videos. And it seems like Threads is sort of the same way because of that algorithm. You have to spend time on there for it to kind of cultivate and see what your interests are, where are your niches on this platform. So it takes a little time, but I do think it gets there. That's that's a really interesting thing because,
0: yeah, Christian, I'm with you. I felt like TikTok in uh, 2020 back in the pandemic and everybody was jumping back into it. Um, I felt like it was hours of scrolling through something, convincing yourself that the next one will be the good one. <laughs> uh, and then you're right. Like the algorithm figures you out pretty quickly. Um, and I've noticed that the algorithm seems to be getting sharper on other meta properties as well. Um, Instagram, uh, for example, the algorithm, at least in my personal experience, seems to be sharper. And so I think for a lot of higher ed marketers, that that is the potential good news story out here, that that when the algorithm is tighter, um, that tends to lead to fewer wasted impressions and and the ability to connect with folks. Um, I'd also say, though, that where I see an opportunity for threads, and it'll be interesting if they pick it up, is... You know, TikTok and Instagram Reels have really, and to some extent Snapchat, but really, TikTok um, has owned the visual and video-based social media space. Twitter did own the text-based uh, space, and there's still a there's still a replacement space out there for that. And I wonder, I don't know if that is part of the strategic intentions uh, with Threads. I guess that'll be revealed. Uh, in the coming months, but for, I feel like particularly for higher ed marketers, you you can make such a good emotional connection with uh, video driven content and so forth, but that more informative content that's out there, that, that, that place to be a newsfeed, to, to keep people updated, to make a different level of connection. um, And frankly, to do so at a level that requires a little less thought in production, um, that is the beauty of it. And with the, shenanigans that have been happening at Twitter over the past year, or X now, um, I think that's missing right now for a lot of uh, college and university marketers as well as communicators. And so my personal hope is that if it's threads, if it, no matter what it is, that gets replaced um, soon, that there's some sort of, uh, that that level of like, here's textual uh, connection opportunities. I hope that gets, uh, I hope we find that soon. Uh, cause it's not Twitter right now, for sure.. So.
1: Absolutely. And there are more characters allowed on threads than Twitter. So even more text.
0: In fact, Anna, I know earlier in the year we we did a, a lovely podcast conversation around, uh, you know, what is happening at Twitter and and we had recommended, and it's still our recommendation for pretty much all our clients that uh, folks kind of steer clear of advertising on Twitter just because the potential brand uh, liabilities of uh, the content has been so unmoderated and so forth that there's just too many uh, possibilities. And we're seeing it by the the numbers, uh, you know, a bit of a decay, but, you know, I'm curious from both of you, you, what are you seeing in the Twitter space now? Where do you, where do you see all that going?
1: You know, I believe in that podcast, I mentioned that additional bad things might happen and I was correct.
0: Sometimes we have such a love-hate relationship with being right, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things.
2: She was 100% correct, and I, I do feel like that decay has been evident, not only in the, like, periodic, complete breakdowns that we see on there, whether it's, like, functionality, something's not working, or, like, the latest crazy announcement that we can't believe is happening, But even just in the amount of traffic, anecdotally, I feel like when I'm scrolling through Twitter now, it doesn't take long for me to start seeing repeats of tweets I've already seen, scroll back up, refresh it, might scroll through a few more before I'm seeing repeats again. The traffic's just not what it used to be where you would refresh and just have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of new pieces of content to look at. So I feel like the traffic isn't there anymore either. So. Even if we felt like that was a safe space for institutions to return to, I'm not sure if it would be as impactful of a space as it was, say, a year ago. And I and I think that really speaks to what I hope happens with threads, because uh, I we,
0: we do need that second shoe to drop a little bit, that phase two, for this thing to really be. But we have lost that well-managed public square that Twitter used to be, um, or reasonably contained public square that Twitter used to be. It's not like this was like some Halcyon place two years ago. It was <laughs> it, it, it had its faults for sure. But um that that is missing. And I think higher ed um needs it back for higher ed needs that back for anything from hey, we're closing because of snow tomorrow to hey, this is our position on this this topic or and so and just to maybe be able to make those connections with folks where people are um that to me is a shame of it. But I also just want to say, since we have a lot of marketers listening to our podcast today, the shift or the attempted shift from Twitter to X just baffles me. Now, I am not the world's richest man, but I will say um, this is baffling to me, right? Like they had achieved whatever marketer uh, dreams of being able to do, which is to make make your brand a verb. Right. We weren't saying, Hey, I posted this on Twitter. We were saying, Hey, he tweeted this. I tweeted that kind of thing. Um, To then say, No, we're going to get rid of all of that. We're going to get rid of the blue bird, which is ubiquitously and instantly. I just, the amount of brand equity that is there that has been tossed away is crazy. When we have presentations many times to university leaders about brand and, and why you need to invest in your brand and so forth, an anecdote that I always love to share. Uh, Just before the financial crisis in 2008, uh, the Ford Motor Company saw that uh, a big crisis was on the horizon and they wanted to hoard as much cash as possible. And it's interesting because Ford was the only uh, American carmaker that didn't go bankrupt, didn't need a bailout. And it's because they had this foresight. So they mortgaged literally literally everything uh, that the company had to borrow as much cash as they could for this impending crisis. And do you know what the number one asset that they uh, were able to uh, get the most money for uh, to borrow against was the Ford Blue Oval. Uh, they actually were able to mortgage that. And the way that works, of course, is if, if the company went busto and they couldn't pay back the loan against that, then that IP, the the right to use that Ford Blue logo and the Ford name on products would then just be bought and sold to the highest bidder. So just that their their brand, that blue Ford logo that they had spent a century building up uh, in trust around, was their most was literally like you could put a dollar amount on it. Was more valuable than all their factories and all their patents and all that that stuff aside. Think about what Twitter has achieved in the last fifteen years around that equity of the word Twitter, uh, that that blue bird of of what Musk actually paid forty four billion dollars for that was probably the most valuable asset. And now they're literally just dumping it in the street and say, you know, literally just locking it up and saying, nah, we don't need to do that. That that just as a marketing, from a marketing standpoint that just utterly baffles me uh, fully through. And I I don't know, maybe there's some uh, grand strategy out there that um, is gonna unfold. I know there's talk about an internet, an app and everything app and all that stuff. Uh, which again, for me, everything app that is that fried, uh, uh bloomin onion right there. I mean, come on, that's like a meal within itself, but talking about, uh, smartphone apps here, maybe that's the strategy, but as of right now, this just seems like a remarkably destructive, uh, act. And I just, I don't quite understand it
2: we're going to need to get an Outback sponsorship here sooner or later with how much we're promoting the blooming Onion. But no, like you said, Dana, baffling really is like the best descriptor for it because to your point, you know, I tweeted something, I retweeted something. That's something that we don't even have for most other social media platforms, like take threads like we've been talking about. I don't know, like, is it a rethread? Is it just a repost? Like, There's not verbiage around what you're doing on these other platforms, even pre-existing ones. And so the fact that you had that built-in brand recognition of not just the app name, but like the action of doing something on that app, that's gold in the online world. And to just like get rid of that in an instant is, it's, it's baffling. That's the only word for it.
1: The thing about replacing Twitter, not only are you throwing away all of that brand recognition, but you're doing it to something that is all, like so amorphous and unknowable, right? It's not like he was like, oh, instead of Twitter, I want this to be called squeegemon forever. Well, mon is a random set of syllables I just came up with. That's at least memorable. It's funny. It comes to mind. X means literally nothing, right? And, you know, I, I saw some posts he had made on it. And um, it, it occurred to us as he was doing so, as he was talking about X, that name that they use, it's in that particular font, right? It's not just your, your regular standard character X. So every time this man wants to talk about his own company, he has to open up a Google Doc, choose like type X, choose the font in the drop-down menu, then copy and paste that special X into his comment. Unbelievable. Well,
2: and Anna, you're the SEO person here, not me, but even like the simple act of like, how do you search engine optimize around a letter as opposed to around a word like Twitter or something unique, like even something like that, it's hard to own that space.
0: Exactly. Would, I mean, squish them on, you already own that keyword, like from day one, then you just, you, you know what I mean? You build it, they will come, but you've owned it from day one. You've got the domains and all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent with you on that. And I think there's actually some interesting lessons for higher ed marketers in here as well. There are a lot of programs right now that are that are really trying to uh, get off the ground. We talk to institutions every week who are trying to launch new programs, interested in launching new programs and so forth. What you call something is so vitally important. You know, in the SEO space, where do things like program names and all that where how does that play into into SEO?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's actually something that we, Um, can run into difficulty with because there's sometimes a pressure to name a program, a a certain label because of the institution's needs, right? But those needs don't always match up with the way people are actually searching for the program name. Um, And so now you have this um, very concrete, specific 20 word label, right? That, that, we need to paste all over the page because that's what it's called. But if it's not what users are searching for, then you're not going to rank very highly for what people are trying to uncover, right? You'll own you'll own that space, but no one is searching for your twenty word program name description. They're searching for something simpler and snappy and trying to find you. So we then have to discuss how can we balance between. Keeping you know, that, that name in place for the people who are looking for it, for the institution's needs, for the specificity and clarity of that program name versus using um, all of the content and keywords that we can to reach that broader audience who don't necessarily know that really long specific name yet, right? If I
0: understand what you're saying, there's like a there's like a balance then between wanting to have a name that will stand out, but also having a name that would be recognized. Is that kind of in the same vein or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like if you imagine um, from an undergrad perspective, right, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I know that I want to get an English degree, but I don't know yet that there's so many variations of that name. Is it English literature degree? Is it English major degree? Is it B.A.? Um, In literature, is it VA? In English, do those distinctions between the literature and the English degree matter, right? All of those questions are um, important, but not yet known by the person doing that search. So they're they're going into this with their best guess, hoping that they uncover something useful, right? So as the institution, we want to make sure we're reaching that person, no matter what specific search term they're using and getting them to the relevant program page. And if there are differences, explaining that to them and walking them through, you know, here's the best match for your potential degree. Um, and so if we get too kind of concretely wedded to, well, in the course catalog, we've always called it BA in lit, period, not even literature. This is what it is. So we have to keep it that way. Well, you know, we'll certainly do that if that's what you want, but just keep in mind, there are going to be some people who now don't find us because they don't understand what we're trying to show up for.
0: Okay. What I love about this, just to to tie it back when we look at uh, what this purportedly $44 billion company has done with their quick rebrand and rename, like they didn't really do any of those things. um, And it's, it's clearly already hurting them. So to our higher ed marketers, to our enrollment folks that are out there right now, keep in mind that if you are thinking about any of these things, or if you're even just thinking about like, hey, there might be implications, even if you don't know what these implications are, like Anna just described, um, you're already smarter than Elon Musk. Um, But yeah, so I I think kind of the bottom line here that I'm hearing is maybe with threads, like stay tuned, but stay active in it. Uh, Maybe keep Keep up. And it seems like participating in threads isn't really that hard, right? I mean, if you're posting on Instagram, if you're posting on other channels, it's it's a toggle switch away from uh being able to post on threads as well and keep an eye on it is what I'm hearing.
1: And keep off Twitter. That's still our recommendation. Still keep off Twitter. I even worry that even those very bland normal posts, like you know, Snow Day today, um, might end up not reaching the intended audience because. X has really gotten into this death spiral, right? Where fewer people are posting as, as you were talking about earlier, Christian, right? And at the same time, the algorithm is waiting um, blue check people. So you pay to get a blue check, whatever you say gets rated to the top, right? A lot of those people, unfortunately, are posting some pretty toxic material. So now you you log into X and you see all of these, Posts and you're thinking, ooh, this is a pretty awful space. I don't want to message that much. Well, now the only people talking to each other are the people who are already posting, you know, this this yucky stuff, and they're already getting promoted in the algorithm. But there's not other stuff to wash that out, right? So the death spiral. So even with people who are posting, like, oh, it's it's a snow day. Is that going to show up in the person's feed appropriately, even if they're following it On, on for normal? social media algorithm, I would say, yeah, of course, but on Twitter, I don't think that's even necessarily guaranteed even anymore.
2: I'm with you, Anna, and I do think on threads, that general consensus of keep watching, but also keep posting, keep active, because this is new. I have no doubt this will evolve more, but higher ed, unfortunately, has a bad reputation of being the last person to the game, and so you don't want to be The institution, you don't want to be the sector that didn't join threads until it was already a fully formed, fully perfect platform, because then you'll already be months or years behind or however long it takes to to get to this point. So jumping on now, when this does feel new and fresh, this could be a great opportunity for institutions to stand out, um, you know, staying strategically within their marketing plan, but taking this new medium, taking this new place, and, and using it to their advantage, much like the early institutions that hopped on TikTok and now have a really good following. So,
0: hmm. yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. And I want to actually I want to re- rewind the tape back a little bit and say that I realized during the course of this conversation that I, I was actually wrong. I said, we've, we've never seen an app um, launch to much fanfare and then peter out and then come back. But that's actually not true, right? Like you can make the argument. That's what happened to TikTok. Uh, TikTok came out and it was, uh, I don't even know when it launched in the U.S., like probably around 2016, 2017, maybe 2018. Um, I'm supposed to know these things and I don't, but anyway, point being, I remember there was some, um, excitement around it and people were like, yeah, it's just, it's basically Vines, uh, again and, and, and so on and so forth. It kind of went dormant and it was right around the time of the pandemic, uh, of the months before then when we hit into the pandemic that it really, um, you know really 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 took off so I guess it is actually possible for uh, a social media app to have a bit of a splash, kind of not make make much noise or much of an impact and then bust huge um and it pro- and as we earlier discussed it probably was the algorithm
2: improvements uh along with some other areas that that enabled that so and going back to the beginning of our conversation that just shows like the circular nature of like, There's always going to be a need to fill those gaps because to your point, we used to have Vine and it showed the, you know, desire for short form video content that fizzled out. But now we've got TikTok, which is very much feels like an extension or an evolution of what Vine was. And this could be what we're seeing with Threads Night right now. We could be in that early stage of people want short form written content, whether that's informational, whether that's fun or funny. And they aren't getting that from Twitter or X anymore, and so that might be what we're seeing on Threads.
1: I would argue too that TikTok is the reason Elon Musk is never going to get his all-in-one app, right? Because he he wants WeChat, but for America. But the reason that that and TikTok can exist as it does in China is because they have very different <laughs> legislature uh, than America. I don't think he's ever going to achieve his dream here.
0: It's. It's interesting, too, from a, not to get too philosophical, but the that whole concept of like we become what we fear. Um, when you think about like what WeChat has in place, WeChat is many, many things. And, and for those who aren't it, um, totally familiar, WeChat is in China um, and it is it is really an everything app. It's a social media app. It's an e-commerce app. It's a you can you can live your entire life within WeChat. Um, it's also an instrument of social control, though, as well. Um, mm-hmm. and the chinese government um, and we're talking about uh the chinese uh, communist party the ccp in particular um utilizes it, it utilizes wechat data um, in tandem with its social uh scoring system which is really just creepy stuff where uh there's facial recognition and if you're so if you've been saying things on social media that are uh considered um taboo or offensive to uh the party you're you can be banned from certain physical locations based on facial recognition it's just interesting because musk has told us that that is the uh that level of censorship and control is what he fears uh most for the Western world and yet he's trying to create the app that would empower that potentially to happen so it is kind of an interesting paradox but yeah I do think the uh possibilities are are wide open for threads and I don't think we should be ready to scratch it off the list just yet?
1: I will say, when you gave us the example of the the app that didn't make too much of a splash but had a big comeback, I was thinking like mozzarella sticks, boneless wings. I was trying oh. to think that, but you actually meant an app this time. Oh, so I actually meant an app that time. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: are some apps that have made a comeback? Uh, mozzarella sticks, you know, those are, I feel like I'm seeing those more often these days. I don't know.
1: I think mozzarella sticks are like the Facebook of apps. Like, mm. Every, a lot of people like them, right? They're pretty popular, but they're, they're not the act that like everybody loves anymore.
2: These are the insights you get when you subscribe to our podcast. That's what we're here for.
0: But no, seriously. Um, I do think, um, there are so many lessons in this saga, I think for higher ed marketers around brand equity, around playing, playing it smart,
2: um, and so forth. And just stay on top of things. I mean, I'm worried as we record this episode that it'll be outdated in a week. You know, I'm going to have to hurry and get this out there. So just always stay on top of the news cycle, stay on top of what's next, both because it could be vital to, you know, you not making a mistake on a certain platform, but also just because you want to stay ahead. You want to be in, on top of the game and in front of your competitors.
0: All right. Well, uh, once again, this was Anna Chandler, director of SEO and analytics here at Vision Point Marketing, and Christian Jessup, uh, our marketing manager here at Vision Point. Uh, really appreciate the conversation from both of you. This is really exciting stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Dana.
1: Mozzarella sticks are good, actually.
0: They are. They are. And and you know, I'm 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 throwing some shade on uh, Stuff portobellos, but they 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 have they have their place as well, um, with that. Well, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, we are on uh, all the socials and can be found just by searching on Vision Point Marketing. We can also be found at visionpointmarketing.com um, and shoot us an email, info at visionpointmarketing.com. So once again, I'm Dana Cruikshank from Vision Point Marketing. Thank you for joining us for today's installment of Rock and Roll.